You're listening to a Radio 191 FM podcast. You're tuned in to the R1 News, your stop for news and current affairs on the airwaves, 11 to 12 weekdays here on Radio 191 FM, Te Reo Irirangi Kotahi. Tēnā koutou i tēnei āta. Thank you for joining us. This is the R1 News here on Radio 1. Ko Seb, aho. Ko Scott, aho. And we'll be taking you through the news here on Rapare, 14th of July. Coming up on the show at Tēnā we have Eileen with the news headlines and weather. Following that, we have a pre-recorded feature where I went down uh, to the... Sorry, I've just lost my script. going to improv it. I went down to the uh, Green Party campaign launch where I got to speak to some of the Green, local Green candidates, uh, Marie Laufiso, uh, Alan Somerville, and uh, Mayor Aaron Hawkins. I'll be playing that pre-record out for you to see what they had to say on their vision for the city and the region. After this, I'll be taking us through an explainer piece on the assassination of former Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe and its consequences for the region. Uh, and finally, we have a live chat with Andrew Johnson, a local zoologist in training, for the first instalment of our second season of Creature of the Week. This Creature for the Week, Glowworms. But before all that, here is Car Seat Headrest with Can't Cool Me Down. You're listening to R1. Stay laughed.
You're tuned in to the uh, Rapare uh, R1 News Show with Seb and Scott. That song you just heard then was called Can't Cool Me Down. It was by uh, Virginia-based uh, indie rock band Car Seat Headrest. And now it's time for the news headlines with Eileen. The R1 News Headlines. Tēnā koutou. Ko The government is set to unveil new COVID-19 protection measures at midday today. Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern has previously suggested that a shift back to the red setting of the COVID-19 protection framework would not be the most effective way to combat the virus. However, with an incoming second wave of the virus set to sweep the country, alongside Aotearoa's first influenza outbreak since the pandemic began, experts say a more proactive response is needed. COVID reinfections are becoming more common, with 1% of total cases in New Zealand now reinfections and 4% of cases in the 24 hours from 1pm Tuesday to 1pm Wednesday identified as reinfections also. US President Joe Biden has begun his first tour of the Middle East since becoming president. Arriving in Tel Aviv, Israel on Wednesday, Biden gave a speech in which he called himself a Zionist and said the friendship between the US and Israel runs, quote, bone deep. Biden is set to spend two days in talks with Israeli leaders, including former Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, before meeting with Palestinian Authority President Mahmoud Abbas in the occupied West Bank. Biden is then set to visit Saudi Arabia to to meet with Saudi officials and Gulf allies. Property sales are down 38% on last year. The New Zealand Real Estate Institute has adjusted its median house price to 850000 up 1.5% on May. Real Estate Institute Chief Executive Jen Baird said that while the numbers were slightly better than expected, the market is still trying to balance. She says housing affordability is still an issue for buyers. And those were the headlines on the R1 News. Now, kitepehe te ahua o te rangi. How's the weather? The R1 News weather. Itenera expect a high of Waru, eight, and a low of Rima, five, with scattered showers and southwesterlies. Tomorrow looks equally gloomy, with a high of Fitu, seven, and a low of Toru, three, southwesterlies throughout the day, and showers falling as snow above 500 metres. That was the R1 News headlines. Catch up at r1.co.nz forward slash news or find us at Radio 191 FM on Twitter or R1 News NZ on Instagram and tune in to R1 News at 11am on weekdays. Tēnā koe, Eileen. Those were your R1 News headlines and weather. Now coming up on the show, we have our first pre-recorded feature. This is uh, with the... Uh, Green Party local election campaign launch where yesterday I went down to Ironic Cafe and Bar and I spoke to three of the Green candidates, including Dunedin Mayor Aaron Hawkins, about their vision for the city. Yesterday, on Tuesday, July 12th, the Green Party held its campaign launch for the upcoming local body elections. Among the candidates there were Otapoti Mayor Aaron Hawkins and Councillor Marie Laufiso, who were formally launching their re-election campaigns. Also there was the Green Party's Otago Regional Council candidate Alan Somerville. The MC for the night was Tamaki Makoto MP and local body advocate Chloe Swarbrook. I went down to the event held at Ironic Cafe and Bar to hear what Green Otipoti candidates had in mind for the future of their city, the region, and the nation as a whole. 
The first question I asked each of the three candidates was what they were hoping to achieve in their respective councils if their campaigns were successful. Beginning with Marie Laufiso and finishing with Aaron Hawkins, this is what each of them had to say in response to that question. My main um, gift to the council, I guess, is uh, a voice from the fringes. And um, I think of all the councillors, all the 15 of us, I'm the only person that's got experience of uh, living on a, on a benefit or a low income. Um, and ma- mainly my background is as an activist. So my aspirations are that every young person and child knows that the city has their back, so there's generations of work to do. No homelessness of any kind and more ethnic diversity and strategic positions in the city. Well, there's two things for the possible third. One is, to show leadership, we really need faith restored in the council leadership. And that means councillors who can work collaboratively and in harmony with council staff, mana whenua, community groups and other councils. So that's that's right on top there. We also need a, a strong voice for Papatuanuku and all that, because the environment is where we live. That's absolutely essential. And I guess thirdly, if if the government doesn't bring this in through the local government reform process that's in in place, just to make sure that the STV voting system is in place for the council next term in 2025. So our big focus over the last three years has been putting social and environmental well-being at the centre of everything that we do uh, and taking action on climate change and building our relationship with uh, with mana whenua. And we've made good progress in all of those areas, I think. Uh, but it's the kind of thing that can easily go backwards under different leadership. So I'm not making any great commitments or big promises. I'm asking for people to support us to carry on the work that we've started uh, because there's, there's plenty more to get done. Following this, I asked each of the candidates why it was important to them that they ran under the Green Party ticket as opposed to running independently. In the same order as the previous question, this is what they said. As I've said in, in the past to the Green Party, no Polynesian that's been raised right would have put themselves forward as an individual. Um, I was a num- among a number of us asked to that, and so I agreed to stand after everyone else said, said no, or didn't respond. Wow. Yeah. I can give you two reasons for that. One is that voter turnout is really low. What was it, 45% the last election? And why is that, people say? We don't know who we're voting for. So standing under the green ticket tells people where exactly where I'm coming from. There's no excuse of not knowing who I am. That's where we're coming from. The other is, I guess, um, that whole body of advice and support that comes from the Green Party. You know, I'm very much in tune with the, the sort of philosophy around ecological wisdom and social justice. But I don't know everything. Well, nearly everything. Um, but you know, there's so many people I can know I can turn to for useful advice when it comes to things. So I guess those are the two reasons. I've always thought that it is more honest uh, for me to be open and transparent about my values. So I've been a member of the party for over 10 years. Uh, it wouldn't be any different. I wouldn't. My, my, my values and my worldview wouldn't be any different if I stood as an independent. Uh, but by declaring that as a Green Party candidate, uh, it means that people know where I stand and, and, and they can make their own decisions about whether that's something they want to support. 
support or not, uh, as opposed to, as is often the case, uh, we have independent candidates who have very strong uh, ideological positions on things, but that's not necessarily that uh, obvious um, uh, when, when you're standing as an, as an independent. So you know, I've, I've, this is the third time I've done this, so the community has had the opportunity to accept that premise or not, and, and, and they've, they've, uh, they've said yes the last two times, so uh, I'm reasonably comfortable that they would be happy with that a third time. Finally, I asked them about the notoriously low voter turnout in local body elections, especially when it comes to the youth vote. I asked what could be done about getting young people in Otipoti to get out and vote, and why it was so important for the youth to be aware and involved in local body elections. Starting with Marie, then Alan, then Aaron, this is how they responded. Well, I think, it, as, as people say, they're inheriting this world. Um, and people say, oh, you're the leaders of the future. They're actually leaders now, and there just needs to be more of us making space and moving aside, uh, encouraging young people to actually understand um, their own experience and historical context of their own experience. But the thing is, we don't teach civics in this country, and that's um, a big problem. So New Zealand history in the curriculum, well, hopefully that's achieved, but we need to do a lot more as well. Well, I guess it's the future of the country, and so that's that's why it's important, and it's the future of their lives. Yeah, certainly, I mean, I'm not doing much for the demographic, am I, in terms of trying to bring greater diversity. Um, so one thing would be, well, let's bring in that STV voting system, but I suppose it's just seeing how can we motivate people to see that this is what's useful. And I was telling some others this morning, I had a nice little meeting, those four bricks in town, and we rustled up some local sort of socially concerned and environmentally schools concerned high school students to come and talk to her and that was great to see that these young people still at high school are actually thinking about those issues now and with any luck they'll talk to their friends and they'll talk to their friends and to see that these are important issues to be concerned with. One of the big shifts I think we saw uh, in 2019, and not just in Otsuposi, but up and down the Motu, was uh, a far greater number of young people getting involved in the local body campaign, uh, standing as candidates, getting elected uh, to councils, uh, but also organising and taking an interest in voting. And I think to a large degree that's because, uh, in particular, youth-led uh, climate movements and environmental justice movements have made the connection between uh, local government uh, and and climate and the climate crisis. Mm. And so regardless of whether you're planning on living here for another three months or three years or 30 years, uh, we need local councils everywhere uh, to be taking this work seriously. And, and I think that was a, that was a, that was a big difference, I think, in the campaign three years ago. Uh, that, that urgency that existed then has uh, only sharpened its focus in the interceding years, and so I think that is, uh, that is the, the big opportunity for, for young people for whom climate change isn't a partisan issue, it's an existential one, right? So uh, people are uh, right, rightly concerned about the direction that we're heading in and whether we're doing enough and doing it fast enough, and so I think we'll see that again translate into uh, a, a decent level of engagement around the country in the local elections.
The campaign launch had a successful turnout with around 50 people in attendance, packing out the small restaurant and bar. Each of the candidates had an opportunity to outline their vision for Otepoti and the ways in which they could achieve these aims in accordance with the Green Party values of ecological wisdom and social justice. The mood at the event was warm and friendly, exemplified by the crowd spontaneously breaking into song following Marie Lafiso's speech. You're currently tuned in to the R1 News Show for Thursday. Um, If you're just joining us now, that was uh, me going down to the Green Party campaign launch for the upcoming local body elections. Uh, It was a really, really nice event, a really nice vibe down there, and I got to speak to three of the Green candidates, including Dunedin's uh, Mayor Aaron Hawkins uh, and Alan Somerville, the Otago Regional Council candidate, and also Marie Laufiso, who was... uh, who formally announced their re-election campaigns for the Dunedin City Council. Uh, they were talking about their vision for the city and the region <coughs> and even the nation as a whole. Um, coming up on the show, we have Scott, uh, my co-host, doing an explainer on the uh, recent Shinzo Abe, uh, former Prime Minister of Japan's assassination. Um, he'll be taking us through some of the geopolitical implications of that uh, uh, shocking event. Uh, but for now, we are going to play your song. This is Choice Vaughan, and the song is To Live and Die in AD, featuring Tom Scott and Mellow Downs. you got to tune to the one. I'm still 18. I'm still 18. I'm still 18. Never forget it. Flat my wings and I flew back home The room I see and the dirt I stole Push my son down every down road What you plan in the park where I first got stoned Make a boy feel old, make a man feel whole Take a left down me where I left my soul Just some small fish in a little bowl But I don't really care, this is my shit When I know I'm probably never gonna get out Gotta get out of it just to get down Small town where there really ain't much else to do But get drunk, get high, get gout Step out the bouncer and then get bounced Bounce to the car park, back on the house Crash out, wake up, but I'm in a while Sitting in the south and the city of the south, Avondale. And I ain't trying to say I'm proud of the narrative. I'm just saying I'm proud of my heritage. Talk to the shop owner like a therapist. Talk to the cab driver like a lyricist. Islanders, Indians, Nigerians, Muslims, Rustas, Presbyterians, blue-eyed, red-nosed, pit-boo-tipigans. Every week you look around here, see characters. United, can't be divided with a calculator. I can't deny it. I'm a top two, bottom old school straights. Right, I had the telephone wire for the free street fighter. Was a young joy rider with an old school driver running on a pick hunt like a wild rock while I got a box full of flame and about to say Fire to the Hollywood cinema, gentrifier. Uh. Yeah, flashback to the days, bare feet on the street in the rain. To my mom yell from the driveway, come home, then lost child wins that's game. But these days now everything's changed. Too many goddamn cafes. Gotta take it back to Green Jay these days. Get, get a plate full of chicken chow mein. And I see innocent running from the cops. I see guilty running for the mayor. I see God living underneath the stairs at the next door, trying to get a dollar for a beer. See a man gave two to him like a millionaire. Had one spare left for him, South said chill. Yeah, good people. Fresh for the clean air, I don't need no heaven, I'm already here to live and die never down. Growing up 
up as a kid. No responsibility for the shit that I did. Used to have a dog when I didn't have shit. Now I'm looking back and I realize that I did. Used to have a dream of making an NBL. Used to play volley and ball at Eastdale. Used to get stuck by the TOC. Now the TOC trying to see me now. Look, I still remember getting bullied in the hall. I still remember when they put me on the floor. Now they want to hit me and put them on the door. Two teller teller means too much talk. Two dollar holla for the barbecue pot. Parked up at the race course on the sauce. Saturday all night host on the porch. Sunday morning I'm for the Lord and the whole paycheck goes straight to the plate. Fried pancake goes straight to the face. Bacon and egg pie, banana cake. While I'm baked at the bakery on throw day with the steak and cheese. Corn beef, coconut cream with the taro leaf. I might have left, but I'll never leave. Off the death, AD. It's a new day, but same me. Shit might have changed, but can't change me. Still here in the mud, that made me. And I still ain't paid the blue night lay fee. I'm having that down to the core, just us core. I used to score at the complex, fresh out the court on the horse. Now I hit the core, play a game of horse with the prospects. I don't wanna glorify the violence. I got a dream to unite the islands. I just wanna hit the song on the siren. You wanna fuck up with Avondale's finest. We put the shit on the map. You wanna hit on that, you wanna crack. I put the whole neighborhood on my back. You wanna find me, you know where I'm at. And I'll be in the hood, running around the block. And I'll be in the barn, running on E. Running out of luck, when I'm running up a tab at the tap house. Still waters run deep. I don't wanna run the world, I just wanna run free like a made man in the neighborhood that made me. Yeah, good people, fresh water, bone weed. I don't need no heaven, I already been to live and die in deep. Charmingly old fat. You're fooling round with my heart again and making me cry. You turn my world upside down again with your love. You're listening to the R1 News Show on uh, Radio 1. 
That song there was I Wonder Why. It was by Marlon Williams and Casey and Clayton. Before that, we had To Live and Die in Avondale featuring Tom Scott and Mallow Downs, and that was by Choice Vaughan. Now in the show, it's time for our second feature piece. This is a a live explainer uh, where my co-host Scott will be talking about the Shinzo Abe assassination one week on. If you'd like to take it away, Scott. Thank you, Seb. This past week saw a critical development in the regional geopolitical landscape of the Indo-Pacific. This past Friday, Japan's former Prime Minister Shinzo Abe was assassinated while giving a speech in support of his ruling Liberal Democratic Party in Nara. James D.J. Brown, Associate Professor of Political Science at the Japan campus of Temple University, spoke to NPR about how the political culture of Japan will be impacted. It's charmingly old-fashioned the way that politics works before elections uh, in Japan. You have the the candidates who just go out and do stump speeches on street corners in front uh, of stations. Uh, They're standing there with no real visible uh, security and they uh, shake hands with ordinary voters, give speeches. Uh, I think all of that's going to change now, that uh, there will be a sense that it's simply too dangerous perhaps to continue in that same way. Abe held the distinction of being Japan's longest-serving Prime Minister, serving from 2006 to 2007, and again from 2012 through to 2020. As Frederick R. Dickinson, Professor of Japanese History at the University of Pennsylvania, outlined to Penn today, Abe is most associated with foreign policy and economic reforms in modern-day Japan. His first administration saw the establishment of the Quadrilateral Security Dialogue and the idea of a free and open Indo-Pacific, which successive administrations have maintained. Associate Professor Brown believes, however, that Abe's legacy lies elsewhere. I think it's the visibility of Japan. I mean, I remember Japan uh, in around sort of uh, 2010 or so. Really, Japan was being overlooked a lot. Despite remaining such a big economy, it just didn't feature in the international news that much. There was perhaps the attitude that uh, Japan's best days were, were behind it. And Abe, uh, despite um, you know his, his many critics, he certainly put Japan back on the map. He was very explicit in saying that he was determined that Japan would never be seen as a, a second-ranked country, and he really wanted to restore it to a place of prominence within international politics. And simply by remaining prime minister for so many years, he took some big steps towards that. Since the end of his administration, Abe continued to be a strong advocate of defence in response to the changing relationship with many of Japan's neighbouring states, specifically from China and Russia, as well as the historically sour relationship with North Korea. It is a complicated task, however, to disentangle Abe's foreign policy positions from the revisionism he advocated on a national stage. As the BBC reported at the time of his resignation in 2020, Abe had advocated for reforms denying the extent of Japanese atrocities during World War II in school books. As University of Connecticut history professor Alexis Dutton identified to the New Yorker, Abe is believed to have been in part behind an official parliamentary document arguing that the Nanjing massacre was fabricated and deliberately denied the responsibility of the Japanese state with regard to the comfort woman system. This may be in part due to his own personal legacy. Abe was the grandson of alleged war criminal, Manchukuo leader, and former Japanese Prime Minister Nobusuke Kishi. This would have played a role in defining Abe's personal relationship with China and South Korea in particular. Far more time than has passed will see how Abe's lasting legacy will sit. But as it stands today, his status as one of Japan's most popular prime ministers will forever be marred by his involvement in historical denialism and his off-stated need to clear his grandfather's name. 
Thank you, Scott. That was uh, my co-host uh, giving a wonderful explainer uh, on w- the recent event that happened in Japan where um, Shinzo Abe, the former prime minister, was assassinated. It's an uh, unfolding issue uh, in Japan right now, and uh, it's, <coughs> yeah, it's, it's great to hear such an eloquent explainer of it. Thank you again, Scott. Coming up on the show uh, now, we have um, Andrew Johnston, local zoologist in training, talking to us about uh, glowworms. Um, but before that, we have uh, Marlins Dreaming, local band, with their song Sink or Swim.
This is the R1 News on Radio 191 FM. Te reo irirangi kōtahi. Good everyone. You've got it tuned to the Rapere R1 News Show. The time is 23 minutes to 12. That song you heard just then was by local Otipoti band Marlins Dreaming. It was called Sink or Swim. Uh, now it's time for a very special part of the show. This is Creature of the Week, where we talk to local zoologist in training, Andrew Johnson, uh, about a creature each week. Uh, today, what are we talking about, Andy? Also, welcome back to season two of the show. I yeah, guess. yeah, pretty, thank you. Yeah, we had a bit of a hiatus, eh, and we're now back into it. I'm back so excited. Back with vengeance. Back with vengeance. Back with more animals. Uh, you want. What what animal is it today? Today, today we're gonna um, look at the glowworm. The glowworm. glowworm. Yep. Because there's some awesome stuff that's happened in the news recently that I thought would be a cool way to connect to, which is all the work with the James Webb Telescope. Uh-huh. You guys been seeing yeah, those, yeah, those yeah. pictures those and stuff? Amazing those, uh, pictures. Million megapixel images. Oh, it's way. insane. Yeah. Eh? Like, like I've seen things where they're using like light bending from other galaxies to look further back in time or like yeah. just ridiculous no, stuff eh? yeah yeah not my field of expertise but just blown away by it uh, yeah, no, to, to, the, to that uh, you know we're looking like 13 and a half billion years in the past the earth I mean sorry the universe is only 13.8 billion years old so right. we're almost looking at the very we're beginning of time we're nearly there which is yeah like unfathomable mm-hmm. that's crazy I agree but why why, why stars uh, huh why? well yeah why <laughs> why <laughs> well I thought you know that our closest sort of thing on earth would be the glowworms these amazing little blinking lights that you see when you're out on a nighttime trail and sort of resemble stars and even even the um, the Maori word has a sort of uh, meaning towards that which is that they're called uh, the TTY which is sort of uh, translates to lights in reflected water so it has this connotation of like you know uh, lights in the sky and, and, the, and the water and everything it's great really, really <laughs> thank you, thank yeah, you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, this is a new segment yeah. after all, so gotta gotta bring this all together. Um, what can you tell us about about those these little guys, the luminescent little guys? Yeah, yeah. I think I think the first uh, fact or the first thing that we we'll, we we'll get off with is that glowworms aren't even worms. Ah, huh? they're not even worms. So oh. it, from the get go, it's over. it's very yeah yeah very deceiving. So if they're not worms, what are they? Yes. Yeah, so they're they're kind of like a, a the pupae form of their of their life cycle. So, um, yeah, glowworms themselves are only the pupae, and then eventually they sort of metamorphize into um, fungus gnats, which oh. is like a sort of a um, sort of a mosquito-looking um, insect that eats uh, like m- mushrooms and fungus, uh, like the name suggests. Um, interesting. But yeah. So they metamorphize into something quite a bit more boring. Yeah, yeah, exactly, like, right? The opposite of a butterfly, a caterpillar butterfly transition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, they sort of go down a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so it's it's the fungus gnat and it's pup- pupil stage. Yeah, 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 wow. yeah, yeah. There's a little little worm stage, which is really I, I didn't realize that until you know, no. a few months back. Thought so. they were just their own worm. You thought so? Eh? You would think so, but but yeah, they're they're their own thing, and they're they're found all over New Zealand. You know, everywhere, pretty much anywhere where you can find a um, a dark cave that kind of has a bit of water in the area, so like a bit of a moist cave or something like that. Because um, they need that uh, to survive in that sort of pupil stage, which is, which is yeah, fascinating. And 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 why do they why do they glow? Why they glow? They glow. How do they glow? How they glow? Why do they glow? Yeah, that's the multi million dollar question. Basically, um, they glow in order to uh, attract uh, prey to them. So right. What they yeah. So what they do? Um, glowworms have these little um, silk 
threads that they hang from the ceiling or from their cave, which is covered in a sort of a mucusy uh, uh, thing that when they glow, they attract uh, different flying insects, um, little things like, uh, like mosquitoes and, and, and gnats and all that kind of stuff, and then they get trapped in the um, in the uh, silk, and then they eat them. So it's sort of like a little... Uh, like a little, um, like a lighthouse, kind of for these, oh, wow. for these little bugs to come here, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. so I can eat you. Fatal <laughs> lighthouse. So, uh, so it's not the insect itself that's glowing. No, it is. It, oh, is. it is. Yes. Yeah. So, so the the part that glows on the on the glowworm is is right at the end of, of it. So it's sort of like right on its tail, and it's it's almost like a like a kidney kind of organ. Right. Um, and it's quite a a, a, chemical, a complex chemical process that's going on, but. In short, what it does is it combines a chemical called uh, luciferase with oxygen. And once it does that, it creates this sort of uh, blue-green bioluminescent glow. Wow. Which, which we see, yeah. Luciferase. It doesn't have anything to do, of course, with, with Lucifer and the concept uh, of, the, of the devil, does it? I, don't, I have no idea. I would love to look into that if we, yeah. Maybe. Who knows? Because I think it's luciferase, and there's also like a byproduct called luciferin or something as well. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Maybe it is a biblical thing. Maybe. One. Um, so they're, they're in New Zealand they're in Aotearoa are yep. they anywhere else? Or, uh, yes yep. yeah, they they're are. also um, there's quite a few species in Australia as okay. well yep and then um, but they're not to my understanding they're not related to things like fireflies or whatnot that you right. find in America that's that's slightly different it's slightly different they have, they have a similar um, like chemical process to make the light but it's not, not the exact same thing and where have you had much experience with them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, it, they're so easy to get to in yeah. Dunedin. You should absolutely. Oh, go, really? Yeah, yeah. Go check them out if you can. So, uh, not while, not long ago, I went and had a little walk around Ross Creek. Have you guys been around? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Go to the reservoir and stuff. So, Ross Creek itself is an old, um, like a mining, like a quarry, um, with lots of like rock croppings and stuff. So if you go through there, like just after um, sundown or something, take your mates with you, and um, you can see these little glowing lights all in the rocks all throughout the the reserve, wow. which is really cool. And it's just like in our backyard, like just you know, right here, it's Ross insane. Creek. Yeah. It's just like a ten minute walk away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and, but really you can only cool. you go, you go at night. You have to go at night yeah, if you yeah. want to see them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You want to see the glow. There's another place in Dunedin as well that I recommend, which is Nichols Creek. Okay. I haven't yeah. been there myself. Have you guys been to uh, Is that where Nichols? the mountain biking track? Yeah, I, yeah, maybe. Yeah, I think so. There's yeah. some sort of waterfall out there as well. So apparently if you go to the waterfall in Nichols Gosh. Creek, then you'll see, yeah. This Get out of North Dunedin, everyone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's a whole world out there. Go explore. Yeah. Uh, that's so cool, man. And... Like, uh, uh, do they have like some kind of conservation status? Right? Uh, should we be looking yeah. after them better than we are? I mean, we... we should always look after our, our, our native uh, fauna and flora. No, but, yeah. but yeah, but but their conservation status is like not threatened at all. Where they are completely, completely good. Not at all. We're, we're wow, right. that's rare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're they're all over the country, and they're yeah. I mean, you can you'll see them in you know the White Tama Caves and, and like uh, mm, yeah. uh, Tiano I think they also there's quite a few places there and have you seen them in White Tama you, you, you're from the Toronto oh, I, I have yeah. actually yeah. as it happens I think you know being being from Hamilton every school trip we seems to be to White Tama Caves <laughs> I think it's the most interesting part of the region yeah. um, but no yeah it's uh, Hamilton Gardens also has if you, yep. if you know where to look there's mm-hmm. a lot of um, sheer faces uh, kind of a lot of sheer clay faces along the, along the sides of a lot of the gardens there and there actually are Quite actually, quite substantial populations. Yes, awesome. um, so if you're in Hamilton, Hamilton Gardens, yeah, um, definitely a place to be, daytime or nighttime. Yeah, I've heard. I've heard even in the Wellington Botanical Gardens, you can see them as well. So I think Botanical Gardens must be quite good for them. This, yeah, because, yeah. You know, a lot of a lot of those, especially with a lot of those, some of those plants being quite uh, humid, and you know, like mm-hmm. liking those mm-hmm. humid environments, kind of producing those humid environments. Mm. 
great place, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so what, are, what are they eating? What, do they, do so, they so eat actually, the plants. The, 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 so it's only the, um, this worm form that does any of the eating. So once yeah, they become really? yeah, the fungus gnat, they, 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 they eat on this sort of um, on all the plant matter and stuff. But when they're in the larvae form, that's when they like, eat the actual like, you know, insects and all that kind of stuff. That's where they get most of their kind of protein. Because right. oh. once they become a, a fungus gnat, they only survive for about three days. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of so once they become an adult, then they're then they're gone. So how yeah. long do they spend as, as a, in the pupa stage? Then, um, yes. Yeah, so as a worm, they're there for about six to nine months. Wow. So yeah, like a good a good a good solid amount. That seems like the worst glow I've ever. Used. Yeah. Six to nine months, you know, life being able to glow, and then suddenly <laughs> three days three days condemned to yeah. not be able to eat very much. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. The cycle starts again. Uh, and and other, do they have any natural predators? Does anything eat them? Um. I'm not, I'm not not too no. sure actually about that, but I think um, you wouldn't sure want to eat some big silky. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're kind of thing. glowing, eh? so they're sort of they are sort of attracting things to them, I guess. So I imagine other little insects and stuff that can eat worms will will definitely eat them. Yeah. I, have you ever seen that scene in um, Surfs Up? You know that movie, <laughs> Surfing yeah, yeah, yeah. Penguins, where they go surfing in the cave or something, and then they they find themselves in heaps of glowworm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Poop. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. they're like. They don't realize that it's poop until one of them is like, hey, mm. you know that all this fun, glowy stuff is poop? It's, poop. Is that, is that, it's not poo without... I, 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 have, I have no idea how accurate that scene is <laughs> <laughs> within nature. But, um, but yeah, they do have that sort of mucus on, on, okay. their, on their silk, so, so maybe... some kind of excretion. It's probably yeah, not yeah, poop. Yeah, yeah maybe. Because okay, okay. I know... Yeah, because... Um, when you go and see the glowworms, say, in, in the um, reserve, you'll, their, their silk is only, like, two to five centimetres long. So they're, they're quite quite right. short because just environmental things like rain and wind and whatnot breaks them. But yeah. when you go to Waitomo Caves, you, they can get up to, like, 50 centimetres long, these big, silky strands. Wow, yeah. Um, How because long? Because they're just under... 50 centimetres. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's huge. It's huge. Like, like and where bigger, does yeah. it glow at the bottom of the silky strand? No, so it goes, it goes on the worm itself. So, oh, so the worm, okay. the worm will be on the cave roof or whatnot, glowing, and then yes. these all these sort of uh, silky strands below it that they that they catch the prey in. Gotcha. That's incredible. And if the prey is too big that they catch, they'll just cut off the silk or let it go, or they won't worry about it. They just want sort of the smaller sort of insects that they can catch. Yeah. Wow. How cool! Yeah, yeah. I think they're, I think they're a really, really awesome species. Well, I ju- it's just, it's saying, it's such a cool idea that we don't need to go very far or try very hard at all to see them. No. Unlike, unlike most creatures that are pretty elusive, and, and mm-hmm. you need to find them at a specific time of the year. Yep. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're just, they're just in caves at night. Absolutely. Up the road. Yeah, yeah. And I hope, I hope that, yeah, I hope this whole segment does kind of show that that nature is so easily accessible. Like once, right, once you yeah, just have yeah. a little bit of knowledge, you know where they are, you know where it is. You can go see it real easy, and, it, and it's and it's magical. Like mm-hmm. it's awesome to be able to connect with with these uh, these creatures. Ah, oh, Andy, well, thanks so much for sharing some of this. Yeah, no, of course. Uh, yeah, it, yeah, it really wears off, man. Like, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah <laughs> cool. you've got me, got me turned on to glowworms, man. I'm gonna yeah. go make a date night out of it. Yeah, oh, you should, you should. Yeah, grab some mates. Probably don't go alone if you're going out into the middle of the forest at night. But yeah, uh, bring bring buddies. some mates with you and stuff, and, and yeah, go check them out. And if you are checking them out. Try not to shine the torch on them for too long. So there's some studies that show that can sort of uh, oh. cause some issues with them being able to produce their light. So they'll, if the light's on them, then they might turn their light off, and then they need to turn their light back on in order to catch their prey, and it's just the whole thing. So just quickly have a look at them and then, and then yeah. turn the torch away. Well, you don't need a torch if you're looking at Yeah, yeah, yeah. The <laughs> they light themselves up. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> cool. Hey, Andy, thanks so much for no coming worries. on the show, mate. That was Creature of the Week with local zoologist and training Andrew Johnson. We were talking about 
the fantastic Glowworm. Um, it's been a pretty pretty good first show back, eh, Scott? I, I think so, absolutely. Uh, we we organised a lot of it on the fly, but um, hey, it's, it's, it's worked. Great to be back in the saddle, that's for sure. Great to be back in the saddle. Uh, to give you a quick rundown of what we got up to on the show, um, our first uh, feature it was... Uh, Going down to the Green Party uh, local election campaign where I got to speak to Alan Somerville, uh, Marie Laufiso and Aaron Hawkins about their uh, upcoming election cam- uh, local body election campaigns, the importance of voting in local elections and their vision for Otepoti and the region. Uh, and then, and then, what, what 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 did you talk about? I, of course, uh, discussed the complex legacy that the assassination of Shinzo Abe has kind of left, and and what is going to, what it kind of looks like now in the situation going on in Japan as it evolves. It was a it was a, it was a really great sum up from Scott um, that he organised within uh, you know a couple minutes flat. It was great. Oh, it was uh, all about very impressive. <laughs> uh, and then, and then, of course, you just listened to us talking to Andrew Johnson about. Glowworms, um, that's it for us on the show today. We'll be back next week on Rapare for another uh, exciting R1 news. Um, yeah, without further ado, we're going to leave the station and let someone else have a turn in the booth. But uh, sayonara, everyone. Goodbye. Signing out. See you later. This is the R1 News on Radio 191 FM. Today, Irirangi Kotahi.
And I feel good Popping, I'm knocking that wood Some of the homies are misunderstood Most of my brothers still keeping the hood Yeah, bounce Everybody been at the lowest before Everybody noticed the moment they fall You're feeling afraid, feeling so victimized What's the bottom line? Living with no compromise That may be true Everybody want a little taste of you Everybody want a little taste of me Living on this earth is a place to be Thankfully, you're from a place where them angels be In the bucket jar, I'm trying to get from A to B Trying to kick it, but you wouldn't even make the lead Could you take it, but you're from another angle Tell them to keep a humble before you see some drama unfold. Yeah. People giving out false info. Yeah. This life never know what we in for. Yeah. Gotta meditate, protect your mental on. But I feel good, I feel fine. Gotta spread love, open up one time. Hit me on my line, sip a rum in the sunshine. I've been feeling fine. You know this world, no trouble on my mind. I 
I'm feeling fine and I feel good. Popping, I'm knocking the wood. Some of the homies are misunderstood. Most of my brothers still keeping the hood. Yeah, bounce. I feel fine, I feel okay. Leave you hanging like a picture in the hallway. Rest the light, side light all day. She got three eyes, she want foul play. I got sauce, I got juice, I got spice. Don't hang with nobody who not nice. Got swag and all that, baby. Unapologetic and they calling me crazy. I'm feeling fine. Waving and sipping my wine. I like that. Raving and sharing my shine. When I'm wearing it hey. Too unique So no comparing it hey. Gotta put a smile On my mama face Thinking about this money That I gotta make Haters wanna run their mouth While I run it straight You can find more of them at r1.co.nz forward slash podcast.